Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And today is September 14th, 2016. You are indeed Locked On Magic. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the editor and site expert over at orlandomagicdaily.com. We've got a jam-packed episode for you today, and the place that I have to start is a word from our our proud sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time now. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. I, for one, am trying to sell tickets right now on SeatGeek. I'm not going to be able to make the Orlando City game on Saturday. And so I went, posted my tickets on SeatGeek, looked around, see what a reasonable price would be, posted the tickets, and what do you know? Within hours, not even not even hours, within minutes, my, seats were, my tickets were sold, and I know that I'm going to have the money in my bank account uh, for this for the tickets that I sold by the time that the game starts on Saturday. It's a great place to buy and a great place to sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go whenever I need to look for tickets to a game or a concert, whenever, whenever I have extra tickets that I need to sell as well. Uh, like I said, I've been, I use the SeatGeek app today to sell tickets, and I know that I'll have the money in my account once the event begins. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparisons for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and money. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's what you have to do to get that rebate. Download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code LOMAGIC. And SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOMAGIC today. Like I said, today is a very, very busy day on Locked on Magic. I don't have any time to waste uh, we've got another one, another crossover episode as we've been doing all week for the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, this time we'll be talking with Fred Katz of Locked On Thunder. Had a great conversation with him about the Victor Oladipo, the Victor Oladipo and Serge Ibaka trade, and and what we can expect from Serge Ibaka, and really even what we and what we can expect from Victor Oladipo for the Thunder. It is a really good conversation. Learn a little bit more about Serge Ibaka there. Two, uh, I'm also going to talk very quickly about Alfred Payton and his season outlook. So a big episode, right? Big, big, big episode. But the first place I want to start is uh, with, you know, it's it being so close to the beginning of the regular season, so close to the beginning of training camps. We are beginning to see those lists come out. You know, we know that ESPN does their NBA rank. I'm sure that list will be coming out and we'll be breaking that down when it comes. But the first top 100 list of the season is out. It comes 
from Sports Illustrated. Sports Illustrated is up to their top 30 on their top 100 list, and we've already seen five Orlando Magic players. And knowing which players are left, that's all the Magic are going to get. What is interesting to note, though, the Magic will be one of six teams to have five five players in that top 100. The other six teams, the Golden State Warriors, they're pretty good. The Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, I think they're pretty good too. The San Antonio Spurs, pretty good team. The Boston Celtics and the Utah Jazz. Uh, both the Celtics and the Jazz are expected to do big things this year. The Magic feel like the sore thumb there. Well, certainly... That's not a guarantee that you're going to make the playoffs. I mean, it's 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 a it's a it's an opinion list. It's you know how you rank it is is however you want to rank it. But it does tend to say that the Magic did a good job adding talent to their roster this offseason. Last year's list, the twenty the twenty sixteen the twenty sixteen season edition of this list, so the twenty fifteen edition, the Magic only had two players in the top one hundred. That was Nikola Vucevic and Tobias Harris. Now, Tobias Harris, I don't believe, is on that list in that list anymore. Victor Oladipo was added to the list. But the Magic now have five players on that list. Now, what differentiates the Magic, perhaps, from the Warriors, the Cavs, the Spurs, the Celtics, and the Jazz, is none of those players are going to be in the top 30. All the players have been revealed, and Serge Ibaka leads the way at 42. It should also be noted, then, that Serge Ibaka is expected to take another tumble from last year. On last year's list, Ibaka was rated in the 20s. And so, again, this isn't a a huge barometer of the Magic being successful. It certainly suggests that they've added talent to their roster, uh, and it certainly suggested that, that they have players to work with now. Whether those pieces fit is another matter, and certainly it continues to suggest the Magic don't have the top-end talent that a team typically needs to, to make the playoffs. But the Magic do have quality players. Uh, Aaron Gordon made the list at number 99. Evan Fournier made the list at number uh, 95. Bismack Biombo is number 91. Nikola Vucevic is number 75. And like I said, Serge Ibaka came in at number 40. Uh, hold on, let me make sure I get this number correct. Serge Ibaka came in at number 42 as the highest ranked player, down from 25. So... The Magic do have talent. They've, 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 like, like I think I've said throughout the summer, I think the Magic got better. They got more talented for sure. But this list also, also shows some of the same problems that we kind of recognize the Magic have. And a big problem, of course, is that they don't have top end talent. They've got this logjam at center. You'll notice four of those five are all front court players and players that we expect to be playing. The, the four or the five. I mean, Aaron Gordon's going to move to the three now because there's such a logjam. Bismack Biombo and Nikola Vucevic can't, are probably not going to play much together on the court at the same time. And so using that talent that you have is going to be the trick for Frank Vogel. One of the one of the big tasks that Frank Vogel has is managing this roster. So the Magic certainly got more talented. That doesn't necessarily translate to more wins. But it does bode well. It does, you know, for all for all the talk, and certainly from the national media, much of the talk has been about how the Magic uh, don't quite have the pieces that fit together perfectly. They don't quite make it make it here. 
this would suggest that the Magic did do something good this summer and do have something to work with. So we'll see exactly how those pieces fit together, what this all means, whether more talent does equal more wins, and that's going to be the, the task for Frank Vogel. All these players have questions. Nikola Vucevic has got to prove he's not a, kind of an empty stats guy, a, a good stats, bad team player. Serge Ibaka has got to prove that he can take on a larger role and uh, reverse kind of the downward trends that we've seen in his career. Evan Fournier has got to match what he did last year. Bismack Biombo has got to got to show that he can be more consistent and, and that the playoffs are who he truly is, not who he was in the regular season, which was a, a bench player. And the Magic certainly paid him like they believe he can he can repeat that. Those will be the big questions that those players have to answer. And, of course, Alfred Payton is sitting on the outside and Aaron Gordon has to show who he is. And, it, you know, none of those questions are going away. But, again, what this shows is the Magic do have talent to work with. And one of those big players um, that that has talent for the Magic to work with is none other than Serge Ibaka, the highest-rated player in that Sports Illustrated poll. Um, it's obviously been a uh, uh, an interesting summer for the Magic. Uh, they they made a lot of moves. They 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 took you know they kind of sh- shuffled the deck just a little bit. And in one major way, they did was in Serge Ibaka and investing in him. It is a contract year for Serge Ibaka. It is a big season for Serge Ibaka, and we'll talk more about that next week as we continue. Our player profile, our player outlook series, but we to get to to get to better know Serge Ibaka, uh, you know we had our conversation with Fred Katz of Locked On Thunder for the Locked On Podcast Network's crossover week, uh, and we had we had a pre, we have a pretty long conversation here about what Serge Ibaka can do, how he can continue to grow, why things didn't seem to be working out in Oklahoma City, and why things may work out now with the Magic. I hope everyone enjoys this conversation. More Crossover Week stuff now. Let's welcome in Locked On Magic host, or in his case, he'll be welcoming me in, uh, Philip Rossman-Reich. What's going on? Not too much. Uh, counting down the days. We got two weeks till training camp opens, right? Less. Less now. Less now. Even less. This is going up on Wednesday, so we got we got oh, 12 yeah. days. 12 days, according to the Timely listener, the one who delays it, even even less time. Yes, yeah, so I envy that person in the future who's closer to the beginning of training camp than we are right now. <laughs> it's exciting. We got we got like we're gonna have like we're, right now we're just talking about the idea of basketball. We're talking about hypothetical basketball and what might happen and what might be, and we're gonna be talking about like real basketball very soon. Yeah, I, and I know I, I'm sure with the changes that the Thunder have gone through, and certainly with the changes the Magic have gone through, I'm tired of talking about theory. I want to see some practice. I want to. I want to see the team get together, go through some workout, and then uh, I actually want to see a preseason game, an honest to goodness preseason game, just to just to get some data on 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 our teams right now. Uh, it's been a lot of uh, you know head scratching so far. Well, you've got in one of my estimations, in my estimation, you've got one of one of the more difficult teams in the league to figure out. I think <laughs> so. it, it, it certainly helped help fill some content this summer. Oh yeah, it's definitely going to be a fun team to write about. There's no question about that. But let's talk about the stuff that that we actually came here for. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering what the heck do the Magic and the Thunder have to do with each other, uh, not that much, except for the fact that in case you were tuned out, they did make a trade this summer. Yeah, that Does, that happened all the way back in June. Did you know that, Phil? It was, it was a you know minor trade, a few you know a few random spare parts being being traded traded apart. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if people hadn't heard about it. Uh, 
But, uh, you know, you know, it's the NBA. People want to talk about this minutia. So just a summary in case, uh, you know, you forgot <laughs> some of the parts or whatever it is. I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you know that Serge Ibaka was traded to the Magic. Because if you're a Thunder fan and, and are unaware of that, then uh, you've been tuned out for a little while. But the Thunder sent Serge Ibaka to the Magic on draft night, you know, June 24th, 25th, whenever the heck that was. And they received back Victor Oladipo, Ersan Ilyasova, and the 20-year-old who was the 11th overall pick that evening, DeMontis Sabonis. So today, Philip and I, were going to talk about the deal. And more relevantly, we're going to talk about expectations for the players involved and, and kind of how we think that their games can change and adjust to new systems, new teams, new cities, all that fun stuff. And first, let's get to the biggest name involved, Serge Ibaka. Now, Ibaka had a, a great Thunder career, seven years long, multiple all-defense team, you know, twice leading the league in blocks. Now he's likely going to be a bigger part of the Magic offense than he was in OKC. And what are your expectations for Ibaka this year, kind of heading into a, a totally new situation in a new uniform? Uh, I mean, the first the first thing I expect from Serge Ibaka is for his defense to kind of return to the levels that it was at when he was an all-defensive player. I mean, I think it doesn't take – you don't have to go very far to kind of see that his defensive numbers, his rebounding, his block shots, even his defensive wind shares and defensive box plus minus have all been precipitously heading down. And the reason for that still seems a bit of a mystery, I think, to to a lot of people because clearly he went out in the playoffs, especially in that, that San Antonio and that Golden State Warriors series, and was a, a true difference maker on the defensive end. Uh, and so he still has that in him. And so why it seemed to suddenly decrease so significantly is I think one of the bigger mysteries that, that Magic fans at least have been trying to figure out. And, and certainly with the way this team is structured and, and the identity the Magic want to have and the coach that they went out and hired, everything has been about the defensive end for the Magic. And so bringing in a guy like Serge Ibaka is kind of the centerpiece, uh, pun intended, for uh, the, the the team's offseason acquisitions, I think, was... Uh, certainly a statement that they believe Ibaka can get back to becoming an all-defensive player. Now, on the offensive end, I also think that they expect him to to bump up his scoring a lot more, and, and I actually expect them to use him in a way that Oklahoma City never really did. Uh, it, you know, His usage rate was never better than 20%. He was kind of... I, the, the sense that I had was that he was kind of turned into a spot-up shooter offensively uh, and didn't get a chance to really grow his offensive game. I don't know how you how you feel about about that at all and, and whether he can take on a larger offensive role but I think the Magic are going to be expecting him to do that as well yeah I think there's no question I know the Magic have told him that they're giving him a bigger offensive role now the Thunder kind of told him that they were going to give him a bigger offensive mm-hmm. role before last year too and that fell off yeah one of his lowest usage rates and in, in really his lowest usage rates since he had become kind of a focal part of the offense and kind of the the third banana on the team you know four or five years ago whenever that was I think it was 2011 and it was his, it was his lowest usage rate since then. And if you look at his usage rate throughout games last year, I mean, he would touch the ball in first quarters, but you look at his usage rate throughout games and in fourth quarters, his, his, his numbers would just totally fall off in terms of touches, in terms of usage, in terms of shot attempts, whatever kind of metric you want to go by. He just, he just was not getting the ball at all. And he wasn't getting his shots off in fourth quarters. Those touches were going to Kevin Durant and they were going to Russell Westbrook and they weren't going to him. I think that's a part of his defense. I mean, let's talk about his defense first, because when we talk about Serge Ibaka, like no matter how comfortable he'll be in that offense, whether you think that he's going to excel and reach a new level offensively, or whether you think he's going to fall off and there's going to be some sort of Peter principle, he's not going to be able to handle being, having a bigger role in the offense. Whether you think that Serge Ibaka is a defensive minded player. I mean, we're talking about a guy who 
you know, we had arguments for all for beyond all defense for defensive player of the year for for a, a stretch that lasted a few years, and and he fell off a little bit last year. And uh, you know, let's let's ignore, or at least you don't have to, but I, I'm going to ignore. <laughs> I'm going to ignore the uh, the he might not be as old, he might be older than people say he is argument because I'm not a birth certificate expert, and I don't I don't know. But uh, so I I won't even factor that into my logic. But uh, you know there. There, there are theories over over Ibaka wanting the ball more, which he did want the ball more, and that was one of the reasons why the Thunder were comfortable trading him because Ibaka, uh, well, disgruntled is the wrong word because that makes it seem like he was causing problems, which I've got no indications that he was, uh, but he wasn't pleased with his offensive role. He wanted the ball more just because he's a competitor. And, uh, you know, that's that's been pretty confirmed. I mean, Billy Donovan basically talked about that openly on his podcast with Adrian Wojnarowski at the Vertical. I mean, that was that was a pretty, pretty open conversation about Serge. And, and, and you hear things, you know, from from people who don't want their names on the record just about how Serge wanted the ball. And even ones who do, I mean, his his, his agent, Andy Miller, came out and, and spoke to people after and talked about how Serge wanted the ball more. And that was something that kind of push for this trade. And that can affect the guy on the defensive end. And, and Serge alluded to that a little bit during the season after a Toronto game earlier this year, he talked about how not getting the ball can, you know, it can, it, it, he's not the only player like that. You have not getting I mean, the Dwight, ball. Can Dwight Howard's been motivate like that. You on D. Yeah. So, so I, I used to write about the Clippers and when Deandre Jordan was early in his career, this was, this was the Vinny Del Negro era, but about what was it? The 2012 season. Vinny Del Negro, first first play of every single game, used to give a DeAndre Jordan post up every mm-hmm. single game, first play because he needed like we would call them his cup of coffee plays because they'd wake him up and they actually get him to play hard on defense. Now DeAndre's not like that anymore. That's part of why Doc Rivers is a good coach. He got him to play like that without needing the ball on offense. He still gets him to go like an animal on defense. Uh, but a lot of a lot of players are like that, and I wonder if just being getting the ball back. On, on offense a lot is going to kind of change his defensive game just from a mentality standpoint because he was locked in during that Warrior series. He was great during the Golden State series. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think that's a really good point. I mean, as much as as the, we think there are these defensive-minded players, it's really, really rare, I think, to find a guy who is so focused on the defensive end that he doesn't want to score. I mean, I think Magic fans, I think, are really familiar with this. I think part of Dwight Howard's downfall uh, for his for much of his career was he had all these people in his head, all, all these people in his ear, whether it was Shaq, whether it was his people, whether it was himself and his ego telling him, you need to be scoring the ball. You need to play a certain way. And that affected his defense. I mean, you could, yeah, I think any player like that, you can see when, you know, they're ignored and, and because big men can't take the ball up and take, get the ball themselves. They need someone to give them the ball when they're ignored. They get a little frustrated. I think it's only human. And so and that doesn't surprise me that Ibaka feels ready to do a little bit more. And, and, you know, I think Orlando is going to give him something of an opportunity to do that because that the roster is really bereft of, of reliable scores, rely, you know, a lot of shooting. I think the magic kind of consider Ibaka one of their, one of their three point shooters at this point. Uh, and they, they need someone to take the reins. And I think on certain nights, it's going to be Ibaka who's going to, who's going to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're also gonna gonna run a little more stuff through him. Now, I'm not saying they're gonna turn him into a 30% usage guy, but I, I think we're gonna see moments where they run some stuff through him because 
let's let's face it, there there still are not a ton of shooters on this team. I mean, a, a lot of the the bigs are the better shooters. Like Vucevic is a really good shooter out there, you know, twenty two. And I wonder how that big man rotation is going to work. But Jeff Green is inconsistent. He'll hit he'll hit five threes in a game, and you know he'll 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 put up <laughs> zero points in a game. Um, you know, Peyton's not a shooter at guard. Fournier is a good shooter. Uh, but but the shooting is kind of unevenly distributed. It's better than it was a couple years ago on that Magic team. But if Ibaka is going to shoot the ball from three like he did a couple years ago, he's certainly one of the best three point shooters on that team. And I think that's like I think that's honestly like my big question about Serge Ibaka coming into the season is it really felt like Oklahoma City was using him mostly as as a traditional stretch four, and I wonder how that affected his development as as an offensive game because this three point. Field goal attempts from 2014 to 2015 went up to from 0.7 to 3.2. Um, he's shooting about two and a half per game last year. Uh, how how much has the stretch four phenomenon affected both him him on both ends of the floor? Because I think pulling him away from the basket affected him. You know, with with other power forwards has affected his ability to defend, or at least how we track defense. Um, is he maybe better off playing center and, and displacing Vucevic, or or is he or can he still play four in, in this league? You know, Billy Donovan had an interesting quote earlier this year when people talked about he he acknowledged that Serge wasn't quite as good defensively this year as he'd been in the past. And and Billy Billy had had a theory which was that as the league becomes kind of more stretched out and basically every well not basically everyone, but a lot of teams, a lot more than they did, you know, three, four years ago. A lot of teams run, you know, a one in, four out offense. Surge, when he plays the four, is pulled away from the basket a lot more on defense. And that's something that could make him a little bit worse on defense because while for a big man, he's really good guarding in space and he's really good switching out the wings and he's just an all-around versatile defender, his best trade as a defender is keeping him around the rim where he can block shots and protect the rim and keep guys out of the paint and all that fun stuff, which he's so good at. And that's what his, what his you know, he's got value everywhere on defense, but that's what his where his greatest value is on defense. And, uh, you know, I, I think I think defensively he actually works better in today's game as a five. And offensively, I think if you can play him at the five, he works best. Now, you, you'll have a better, a smarter opinion on this than I will just because you cover the magic. But they have Biombo and they have Vucevic. How often is he really going to be playing the five with them? I mean, I, I, guess, I guess there are situations where that can happen, but, like, are there, are we going to see how many minutes are we going to see with Ibaka at the five and say Aaron Gordon at the four this year with the Magic just going with a more traditionally small lineup? I mean, that was the lineup I was telling everyone like draft night, you know, when we were just trying to figure out what this deal means. I was like, they've they've got to be going Gordon Ibaka as their as their four or five next year. And I don't know what that means for Vucevic, but that's that's the direction I'd go because that's the direction the league is going. And I think that that would be still a very effective defensive lineup. Uh, but I, I think we'll see the Gordon Ibaka lineup, um, for, for small stretches. It, it, there's, you know, been kind of the, the, the ringer posted that article with, with proposed death lineups. And I think that Gordon Ibaka pairing was, was one of the ideas they had for a, a quote unquote magic death lineup, uh, like the Warriors have. But, um, I think we'll see it, but it won't be very prominent, you know, maybe probably less than 10 minutes per game. Um, I, I think we'll see Ibaka there. Um, I think the Magic are willing to experiment with Vucevic some at the four, especially if he can uh, extend his shooting range like like he says he's been trying to this this summer. And I think even Frank Vogel has hinted at Nikola Vucevic taking some three-pointers. But that center logjam is so hard to figure out because 
Uh, yes, you, you paid a lot of money for Bismack Biombo. You, you feel like you've got to play him. Vucevic has established himself. He's probably the most consistent offensive player on the team right now. Uh, and so it's, it's tough to figure out how, where Ibaka fits into that and whether he's going to be a four and really nothing more than kind of a pick and pop guy rather than the guy uh, who attacks the basket on pick and rolls or, or gets post ups. The good news is if you play him with Vucevic, Vucevic can also step out and hit the jumper and space the floor a little bit as a big. And so that means Ibaka should get more post touches and shouldn't just be kind of stuck on the perimeter uh, as as a player. And so I think that's definitely a way to advance his career because Ibaka's played for the most most of his career with Kendrick Perkins and, and Steven Adams, and neither of those guys are much used to anyone if they're not inside the paint uh, on offense. And so I think that necessitated Ibaka moving away from the basket. I mean, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong on, on that, on that uh, observation. No, I think you're right. Quick, quick observation of of my own, or I should say, comment of sure. my own, and then and then I have a question for you. First of all, the Magic are going to have one of my favorite lineups in the NBA this year because <laughs> when they play, when they play Peyton, whoever the two, let's say Fournier, Peyton, Gordon, Biombo, and Ibaka, I'm not sure that there are going to be points scored on either side in that game. Yes, and yeah. I'm <laughs> so excited for the ugliness that that lineup is going to facilitate. It's going to be awesome it's gonna look like you know when you watch las vegas summer league and it goes to sudden death and double overtime automatically that's what it's gonna look like all the time it's the 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 magic are very much the anti-warriors in so many ways like they have they have this 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 weird funky lineup that that should be able to switch just about everything defensively uh but they're not going to be able to score at all i mean it's it's going to be really interesting to watch them and and i think the, you know, the, the, the situation the Magic are in, they've missed the playoffs the last four years. They're, they're desperate to make the playoffs. And I think they've just kind of gambled that, you know, offense will figure itself out. These are NBA players. They'll figure out how to score enough points. If we can play good enough defense, historically, that gets you in. I mean, I think last year, 10 of the top 11 teams by defensive rating made the playoffs. And the only team that didn't was Utah Jazz, which finished a game out of the playoffs. So I think they, they've kind of, made this gamble that if we can just be one of the best defenses in the league, more likely than not, we'll, we'll, we'll scrounge up enough offense to make the playoffs. And like you said, they could run some really funky lineups out there that will stop everyone and not score at all either. And, and they can even run some lineups out there uh, that, that can be really, that can be really interesting. It wouldn't surprise me if they run Aaron Gordon at center, some, especially with like golden state goes to their, their small lineup, or I mean, Ibaka certainly can play center in that lineup too. And so they, I think they feel like they have a lot of versatility to defend just about anyone at any time. And the offense will figure itself out eventually. Frank Vogel coaching too. One of the best defensive yes. minds in the league. Wonderful coach. I think he's a great coach. What are, so, so one more Ibaka question. We'll move on to the Thunder guys. Uh, you think he makes an all-star team this year? I think, you know, honestly, like, I, when when the trade was made, I said it's very possible that Ibaka becomes the Magic's All Star. Um, I, I you know I think uh, he's the way the way I described it when the Magic made the deal was was they traded for someone with an elite skill, and, and that's something they haven't had since Dwight Howard left. Um, Ibaka is one of the best, can be one of the best defenders in the league, and essentially for the Magic to get a player on the All Star team, it's going to be because it's a team reward. The Magic are in the playoff hunt at the All-Star break or near the All-Star break when those votes are tallied. Uh, and the coaches feel like they've got to send someone to to uh, New Orleans. Uh, and so I think it's very possible that Ibaka is that guy because of the impact he can make on the defensive end. He'll be a big linchpin of what the Magic are going to do. And so it wouldn't surprise me if he's getting All-Star consideration uh, if the Magic play well. If the Magic 
you know, flame out, then no one's going to get all-star consideration on this team. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, that's certainly true. I, I, I think he has a really good chance at doing it. I mean, look, there's always that kind of random big who who would never make it in the Western Conference. And Ibaka's never made an all-star team, which is a little surprising. But uh, there's always that, that random big who who always kind of sneaks in in the Eastern Conference, whether it's Roy Hibbert or maybe a couple of years ago, Paul Millsap. And, and Millsap is not random anymore. But, uh, you know, he, he was at the time of like, oh, well, Paul Millsap made an all-star team. Uh, I, I think Ibaka... Ibaka could be that guy if he's averaging, you know, 18 and 9 and he's playing mm-hmm. killer defense and he's got high block numbers, which, which you know, people like to see in all-star games. I, I, I think uh, I think that's a distinct possibility and the, and the Magic are, are playing good basketball and I, I, I think it's I think it's a real possibility. I think he's he's at least the most likely guy on that team to make it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. If, if the Magic are playing well, it's because Ibaka has, has taken a, a leap, um, you know, Maybe I'll give an outside chance to Aaron Gordon. I, I'm not willing. I'm not ready to bet on what Aaron Gordon's stats are going to be this year because he could he could still be just about anything. But uh, you know, if Gordon takes a huge leap up, you know, maybe he gets into that conversation. But Ibaka to me is is the most consistent guy, the most reliable guy, the the guy that I that I feel most comfortable saying he's he's going to play better just because he's getting more opportunity. So let's talk some Victor Oladipo. You saw. Let's talk some Victor Oladipo. You saw him play over the first few years of his career. He had some ups. He had some downs. He had, a, in my opinion, a strong close to last season. He 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 seems to be better when he works better. Can he kind of be the ball dominant guy? How do you see him working next to Russell Westbrook if we assume he's going to be in the Thunder starting lineup? Yeah, I think I think that's a really good role for him. I think what the Magic were asking him to do, he just wasn't quite capable of doing. And and I, I'm a big believer that. A lot of, a lot of players in the league, you know, that there's a lot of really good players in the league, but a lot of them are kind of miscast in roles that they can't fulfill. And for the Magic, he had to be the guy. He had to be the one who scored the most points and, and dominated the ball. Uh, and, and that isn't quite who he is, at least for a winning team. And so I think pairing him with a Russell Westbrook, um, is going to benefit him greatly. I think he's, you know, I, I was talking about this yesterday with, with the locked on heat guys as we were kind of discussing what, what the Magic did this summer. And I, I really believe this was a win win trade for both teams. Uh, even before the Durant stuff, I thought Oladipo coming off the bench as a sixth man would be a, a big upgrade over Dion Waiters. And he'd be able to do a lot of things he did in Orlando that made people think he could be an all star. Uh, off the bench for Oklahoma City and kind of give them that scoring punch off the bench that they've they've really lacked since James Harden left. Now Durant's obviously not there anymore, but even even so, I still think you know Oladipo can relieve some pressure off of Russell Westbrook uh, as far as ball handling. Uh, he can attack to be another attacker uh, to set other people up. His assist numbers are us- are pretty solid. He's he's got you know the Magic tried him out at point guard for for a year and a half or so, uh, and even though it was clear he wasn't a point guard. Getting those skills benefits him for his career, and I think he'll be able to to set up Westbrook well. I think they'll be able to play off each other well. Um, obviously, the shooting is still a concern for both, but having another guy you can attack off the dribble, create his own shot, is really really valuable. Uh, I just don't think Oladipo can be your number one guy, but as maybe a number two guy for for this Oklahoma City team, City Thunder team, where Westbrook's getting a lot of the attention, uh, I think that's going to be uh, I think that's going to be really interesting to see, and I think Oladipo is going to benefit a lot from it. I think that's a really interesting point you just made because I, I don't think Oladipo is a point guard either. He's certainly not a natural point guard, and he's probably not the guy I want as my number one facilitator moving forward. But I think he's got really good facilitation skills for a secondary creator. And I think that's a really interesting point that you just made about how, 
Yeah, he may not be a full-time point guard, but he gained a lot of skills over that year and a half-ish playing point guard in Orlando that can help him a lot down the line. I I think we're probably going to see him running the second unit a decent amount where they might stagger Mm -hmm. his minutes and have him on the second unit. I think a lot of that has to do with how good campaign actually ends up being, how ready he is for this season. Because if he's inconsistent this year, like he was last year, the Thunder are going to need somebody running that second unit. And I think we probably might see him doing that a decent amount. Uh, I also imagine that guarding Russell Westbrook and Victor Oladipo is just going to be exhausting for opposing backcourts. Like those two are explosive. They're big. They're physical. They're fast. I mean, that's going to be tough to keep up with them, to bang with them, to keep them out of the paint, to keep them out of transition. Like that's going to be exhausting for opposing teams. I feel like they could just almost, almost like a really physical defense in football will just wear down, you know, will just wear down receivers or wear down a running back or whatever it is who's getting a lot of carries throughout a game, and you just kind of see them fall off in the fourth quarter. I could see Westbrook and Oladipo doing a similar thing to where they maintain their energy levels throughout an entire game, and they do it on the offensive end, and they maintain their energy levels throughout an entire game, and they just relentlessly keep attacking the paint and relentlessly keep getting out in transition because they're both kind of gamblers on the defensive end, and there are going to be games where they both get a lot of steals and they'll be able to get out running pretty organically in that way. And I could just see them tiring out backwards and tiring out teams by the end of games. Yeah, and, and I think that's a that's a really big thing that Oladipo can do. He's 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 a lot of boundless energy and, and sometimes out of control energy. I think that's one thing uh, he has to continue to learn how to do is is learn how to kind of control control his pace and his speed, uh, especially as he gets closer to the basket and attack. But the, Oladipo and Westbrook are two players that are just constantly on the attack. That's what they do, and that's what they do well. And, and I think that's why this is a good fit. Even though you know Oladipo is a career thirty three percent shooter, only you know shot thirty four point eight percent from three last year. But even the, and and Westbrook, you know, I know it's kind of around around that number two. But even though they can't necessarily spread the floor, they put a lot of pressure on defenses because they both can get to the basket uh, pretty much when they want, or, or as close to when they want as they can. Obviously, Westbrook's probably better at that than Oladipo. Um, Defensively, if they can, if, if Donovan, and I know from watching Billy Donovan so much, I grew up a Florida Gator, so I've watched plenty of Billy Donovan basketball. He loves pressing, trapping defenses. Uh, I don't know how much he can do, get away with that in the NBA, but Oladipo and Westbrook kind of fit the mold of that guard that he really liked at Florida, uh, so they can get up into people and really put pressure on, on ball handlers, uh, and, and force turnovers to get out in transition. So I think that's a really good fit all around for Oladipo and definitely, a big opportunity for him, I think, in a role that fits him better than, than what Orlando could give him. I, I, I think that is gonna happen with their defense, honestly. I just can I can I can I be arrogant and, and plug Don't be arrogant, I please. I, I I literally wrote that article like seventy two hours ago <laughs> about about how the Thunder defense could be one of the most stylistically aggressive ones in the league this year, just because you've got you've got Westbrook and Oladipo at the top of the defense basically trapping on pick and rolls and extending far beyond the three point line. And you, the thing is, you know, those guys are going to gamble, whether you work that into the principles of your defense or not, that's just who they are at this point. So you might as well, you might as well embrace it instead of trying to stifle it and then messing up your defense when they do it anyway. So exactly. And you have a good, you know, you have a good backstop in Steven Adams. I mean, I think a big reason why the Thunder felt comfortable trading Ibaka and Robertson is a good defender too. I mean, you've got you've got some pieces. You've got the defense that allows you to do that. I mean, I, I think you know bringing it back to the Magic a little bit. I think a big problem the Magic had defensively, and Oladipo even had somewhat defensively, was you know he could push up a little bit, 
But if he got beat on a, on a pick and roll, Nikola Vucevic just isn't a rim protector to, to stop, to stop them going downhill. And so I think, uh, I think going to Oklahoma City where there's a, a better defensive group around him is going to unleash Oladipo even more defensively. And he's already a very, very good defender. I mean, I think, uh, they kind of, that was kind of his, his reputation coming into the league and he's gotten better and better and better. And even through some of the struggles he had with Scott Skiles, Scott Skiles, said, I think Oladipo is an all-defensive team player, and, and I think he just wasn't in a situation where he could really show that to, to its fullest extent. Yeah, I, I think I think he's going to have a really good year this year. I do I, too. I think I think we're going to see the best year he's ever had. I mean, he was... I thought, la- I thought about that last year. I've always liked his game. I thought that he was going to be really good last year. He got off to a slow start. There were... You know, as as you very well know, there were kind of inconsistencies in him working next to Alfred Payton. Uh, I think he's going to be really good, if only because he's going to consistently get opportunities every single night, no matter what, because there's nobody else to take them on this team. So even if he gets off to a slow start, it's not like there's going to be a Scott Skiles to move him to the bench and mess him around and... And and granted, he was pretty good when he when he came off the bench this year. But it's not like they're going to jerk him around in and out of rotations, or you're going to mess around with minutes, or mess around with touches, or mess around with opportunities. Like Victor Oladipo is going to consistently get touches and get opportunities because he's the guy to do it. Like there's not a wing to where they can give the ball and have them take it away. Like Andre Robertson's not going to get the ball, and they're going to say, okay, well Oladipo's not doing it. Give it to Robertson, or Oladipo's not going to do it. Give it to Singler, or give it to you know whomever else. That's not going to happen. And and, and yeah, Stephen Adams is going to get more touches this year than he did before. But like, he's not—he's not Demarcus Cousins as a as a as a guy you're going to give touches to. I mean, he's going to get more touches, and he'll probably get a couple touches in the post, and he'll be more active as a as a pick and roll scorer and that kind of stuff, and even a pick and roll creator, I think. But uh, you know, a lot of these touches they're going to Oladipo with Kevin Durant gone, and whether he steps up or not they're going to let him continue to get those touches until he finally kind of finds his footing in Oklahoma City, which I think is going to happen. And I think they're, they're anticipating is going to happen as well. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made that deal. So so just the, by the mere fact that he has tons of leeway, I think he's eventually going to find it and end up having a really good season. Yeah, and I think uh, I think ultimately it comes down to, to kind of faith and trust and, and you know, kind of believing, believing in him a lot and, and you know, Scott Skiles kind of doesn't always have that with people, but, uh, you know, like, like he said earlier, the way Oladipo finished the season last year, again, just made you really believe in him. He, he, he's, he's due for big games. Uh, and, you know, obviously I think you give him the opportunity, he will shine for you. Um, whether, you know, I, the big question I think with Oladipo is whether doing that leads to wins. And, and I think having Westbrook there, as kind of a buffer as another guy who can attack will, will be much more effective than it was in Orlando where the magic kind of turned the ball over to Oladipo, let him kind of do his thing. Uh, and the team just couldn't galvanize enough to, to get, to get wins in the same way that, that I think they'll be able to with Westbrook. I mean, I think Oladipo is in, in a really good situation for, for him to continue to grow and improve. I find him a really interesting uh, player to discuss as a defender. Uh, I, I think you find people who think he's a phenomenal defender I, I don't go that far. I think he's certainly a good defender. I also think he can be caught in the wrong spot every once in a while. Mm-hmm. He can he can get a little antsy, maybe jump a passing lane, and, and he has trouble. He has trouble. Him. He has trouble getting over getting over and around screens sometimes too. But I, some of it, I just you just don't know if that that was 
the strategy. I mean, Jacques Vaughn didn't have a great defensive strategy. Uh, and how much of it is I've got to do it this way because Nikola Vuce, because the defenders behind me aren't going to be able to recover if I can't get through this guy. And, you know, I, I think it's a constant development for Oladipo and still something he's improving on, especially working uh, off the ball as much as on the ball. What do you think he's got? How do you think he's going to develop as a defender? I think we know what kind of defender he is right now, but he obviously has great defensive potential in terms of his physical attributes, his, the fact that he plays so damn hard, um, you know, his, his smarts, like he has tremendous defensive potential. Do you think he reaches that at some point? Where do you think, where do you see him going as a, as a defender in his career? I mean, I think, I think it really depends on, I, 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 I say this, I, it feels like I'm saying this a lot about Oladipo. It really depends on the role you're asking him to play. Um, if he is being asked to score a lot, I think that offensive pressure is going to take away from his ability to defend at a very, very high level. I mean, I think, I mean, I think he's going to defend very, he's going to be a plus defender. I don't think he's going to be a negative defender ever for, for any team, but whether he can become an all defensive team player or something of a defensive specialist, I think it's going to really depend on what his role offensively is. And, and, and Oladipo is a guy who views himself as a future all-star, as a potential all-star. And, and I think, you know, you can't ignore him. You've got to let him get his shots up kind of in the same way that we talked about with, with, with Ibaka, but He's, you know, he's going to be a guy who's going to defend a lot of the best twos in in the league. Um, if you need him to to go try and guard Steph Curry for a while, I think you could probably rely on him to do at least a decent job on on Stephen Curry. But he's got to still get a lot more discipline. Um, like you said, he, he tends to go for steals a little too much. He gets himself a little out of position sometimes, especially getting around screens. Uh, and you know that's such an important part of the game today that it's going to hold him back a little bit. But he's, you know, he's still a relatively young player. He's going to continue to learn and grow. And so I think, you know, looking at, looking at Oklahoma city, he's going to be a guy that they can rely on defensively to guard the best, the best guard, at least if, you know, probably not big enough to guard a small forward. So you don't want him on LeBron or Durant or anybody like that, but put him on clay Thompson. He'll do a good job. You know, put him on, put him on Steph Curry for a while to, to mix, mix things up. Um, I think, I think he'll do a decent enough job and, and uh, enable the, the thunder to have a, to have a good defense. So, Old Depot is not the only guy that the Thunder got in this deal. They also got Ilyasova. And, uh, you know, he was only there for, what, a half a year in, mm-hmm. in Orlando after coming over in that Tobias Harris trade, uh, which which I'm sure, you know, the Magic <laughs> are still feeling their reverberations of. But yes. uh, <laughs> but but Ilyasova, his, his numbers went up a little bit when he was in Orlando, especially the rebounding numbers. Now, obviously, not playing next to... Andre Drummond anymore will make anybody's rebounding numbers go up. But uh, where, where do you see Ilyasova fitting him? I think he's going to start for this Thunder team. I just think he makes the most sense next to Steven Adams from an offensive perspective. He'd be the only starter in the starting lineup who's an above-average three-point shooter for his position, which is something the Thunder need. They're kind of they're kind of strapped for shooting. I mean, they have Anthony Morrow. They have the rookie Alex Abrinas. And and they have Ilyasova, and those are really the only three point shooters who they have who, who who we can say. I mean, unless Kyle Singler bounces back from from his season last year and shoots his career percentage, which is certainly possible, but uh, it's also not something that we necessarily need to bank on happening. Uh, you know, Ilyasova is really the I think the only guy who we can say will consistently be in the rotation this year because who knows on a Brinus second round pick who, you know, is going to be a rookie this year. And, and, you know, Morrow was in and out of the rotation last year. 
Ilyasov is really the only guy who I think is consistently going to be in the rotation without falling out of it this year, who is an above-average shooter. And, uh, you know, unless Oladipo ups the shooting or Russ ups the shooting or something like that, he needs to start, I think, because of that. Uh, and, and, you know, the defensive flaws or whatever else, the Thunder can deal with that by sticking him next to Steven Adams, who's a really good defender, a really good help defender, and can kind of, you know, I think they hope can kind of be a one-man defense because he's such a good anchor and such a good rim protector that he can blow up enough pick and rolls and, and, and kind of annoy people enough on defense to where he can at least carry them into into being a solid defensive team. What do you think of how Ilyasova fits into this roster? Because I, I, I think he fits pretty well offensively, though I do worry about kind of how the defense is going to work when he's not playing next to Steven Adams. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think when when you actually sit down and look at the Thunder roster, he definitely fits what they're trying to do. And, and as a reliable veteran, uh, it, it certainly is a good thing to to have him uh, out, out there. And, and he's, he's reliable enough. Uh, frankly, his 22-game run in Orlando. I, I was not impressed with him at all. Um, his defense was a was a was a big problem, uh, and and of course Skiles was playing him over Aaron Gordon in certain situations, which frustrated Magic fans certainly because because Gordon is more of the future than Ilyasova. Uh, the big reason Ilyasova was included in this deal was the Magic had no intention of of keeping him. He he was going to get cut before his guarantee date anyway. And so when you know when I hear people kind of break down the trade and. Are like oh the Magic gave up gave up so much they gave up Oladipo who you know a lot of people really like still and they gave up Ilyasova who's a quality veteran and I was just like did 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 anybody watch him in Orlando like he wasn't good and the Magic weren't planning on keeping him. Uh, having said that yeah Ilyasova is still good for uh, what he does well which is he shoots the ball shoots the ball pretty well um, is a better rebounder than people give him credit for and he and he takes charges so I mean when he gets in defensive position I think he led the league in charges taken last year so he's he's someone that that can do some good things he's he's just got to bounce back and his time in Orlando just was not good at all um I I, I would I would venture to say that he was getting starters minutes and or, or at least bench minutes, and I was telling people I don't know if he's an NBA player anymore. So I, you know, I'm I'm much lower on Ilyasova than a lot of people. He he played much better in Detroit than he did in Orlando. So if something's probably still there, he certainly can still uh, probably produce uh, at at the level the Thunder need. But you know, I I guess my 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 perspective on Ilyasova is, is colored by just how he just didn't play particularly well with with the magic and and how how his season ended um I, I wasn't satisfied at all with with what he produced i i think he's gonna help this team now now <laughs> now i'm i'm coming in for the for the for the more cut for the more positive Go for opinion it. <laughs> I, I think he's gonna help this team all he needs to do is shoot to help this team and yeah he's gonna have issues on defense I, there's no question about that he's always had issues on defense and um, you know, it's funny. He's he's the oldest player on this team, and he's he's uh, listed at 29 years old, and he's the oldest player. Wow. He's the oldest player on this team. I mean, there's him. He's 29. Russ is 27, and everybody else who could possibly be. I mean, you know, I'm not including Nick Collison, but but everybody else who could possibly be in this rotation is between the ages of 20 and 24. So I, I think at least just bringing in somebody who's not 23 years old. And who's a respected guy around the league honestly helps. I mean, I know people talk about people make jokes about the veteran about veteran leadership and 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 all that stuff, but there is value in that. And I do think having Absolutely. someone who's older than twenty seven years old, who's in your team's rotation, who's been in the league for a while, who's a respected personality around the league, 
I do think that there is value in that. And if he can do it while he's shooting, was he a 37% career shooter from three? If he can do that while being a big man, he shoots 37%. And more importantly, if he can force just defenders to guard him so that Russ and Oladipo can actually get into the lane, because that's the issue with not having shooting in the Thunder lineup. It's not that they're not going to hit threes. They don't need guys who are 40% shooters. What they need is guys who perimeter defenders are going to stay on or at least are going to hesitate coming off of a little bit they'll hesitate a little bit more when Oladipo drives when Russ drives because this entire offense is going to be predicated on penetration and that's because they have Westbrook and because they have Oladipo because that's the strength of those two guys and the getting to the rim is what those guys do they're so good at it they're so explosive they're so athletic and that's kind of going to be their best offensive trait that's because they're not going to shoot well. So that's how they're going to get their efficient offense, by shots at the rim. Because Lord knows they're not going to do it with mid-range shots. And if they want to get to the rim more easily, they're going to need space. And they're going to need guys to just have someone who they can guard. Which is why I advocate, honestly, for playing Singler. Because if Singler does shoot, you know, 37%, people are going to guard him. And that's all that they need to have an offensive impact from their perimeter players. They need someone to guard them because no one's going to guard Robertson. And, you know, Canner doesn't go out to the three-point line. If he does, then you lose his offensive rebounding. You know, Adams obviously has to be around the rim. So you have these guys, you know, Sabonis isn't a three-point shooter. So so Ilyasova, I think, is going to provide so much value just as a guy who people guard on the perimeter. And he's a good shooter, and he's an okay screen setter, and you can ping and pop with him a little bit, and he can, you know, he can just stand out there and just stretch by merely standing and force a defender out there. Like, that value is going to help as long as he just shoots his career percentage. Look, if it's three-point shooting plummets because he just has a bad year for whatever reason, then of course that's going to, that's going to hurt him and that's going to hurt him. It's going to hurt the team. Uh, but if he just shoots his career percentage, he shoots 37%, 38%, something like that. And guys continue to guard him. I think he's going to have now, I don't think he's going to play 30 minutes, but I think for like 22 minutes a night in a starting role, he's going to be legitimately able to help this team on the offensive end. And if you play those 22 minutes against Steven Adams, I think Adams is a good enough help defender to where he can mask some of those flaws where 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 Ilyasova gets turned around on defense or where you put him in the pick and roll and he kind of ends up, you know, you have looking like a revolving door in the pick and roll. You can at least have Adams on the back line helping and Adams on the block coming over to help. And I think Adams is good enough to, to you know, kind of act as cover up for those sorts of mistakes. Uh, and, and while those aren't things that you want in your defense, I think the Thunder will still be more than capable, I think they're going to be a good defense just because Adams and Robertson and Oladipo, and, and I think Billy Donovan's a good defensive coach, will will help them get there. And, uh, you know, Ilyasova's help on the offensive end just from the shooting standpoint will help them get to much better offensive levels. And I think I think if if he's doing all that, if he's you know if you're relying on him just to make just to shoot threes, I think that that's that will make him effective. He's he's still a pretty good three point shooter. Uh, when you give him the opportunities, he'll he'll probably still hit that average. Um, you know, one thing that's really underrated about him though is his offensive rebounding. He is a really kind of sneaky offensive rebounder, uh, and so uh, you can find ways to to use that too. Uh, you know, he just, again, he just had a really bad run for the Magic. So he left a bad taste in my mouth. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm in the minority that this is not quite on board the Ilyasova bandwagon, but certainly you use him correctly, spot, you know, spot up shooter, 
uh, someone who can pick and pop a little bit, you know, sometimes get, get near the, near the paint for a post up or, or, or to get in offensive rebounding position. Uh, he'll, he'll be a benefit to your offense. Um, I, I think right now he's more of a benefit to the offense than the defense. And the Magic didn't quite have the defensive structure around him. So it left him a little bit exposed defensively, I think. Uh, so if you come into a system that's a little bit better defensively, and certainly Billy Donovan runs a good defensive system, he's got good defensive players. Um, I think that will be able to mask some of his, uh, some of his deficiencies and, and allow him to contribute a lot more positively to, to the Thunder than he did to the Magic. You honestly you just put him in the role that Serge Ibaka was in on offense. Yeah, essentially, yeah. You let him pick and pop. You let him stand there. You let him stretch the floor. You let him shoot catch and shoot threes, and that's that's you know maybe some catch and shoot open mid range shots, and that's that's what you got. That's what you get out of him. I think he's capable enough to be able to do that, and he's a good shooter, and I think he'll be able to provide some stretch doing it. Now you're not going to play him with the five like you did with the Baca, but 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 I think offensively he doesn't have that positional versatility. No, but but I think just from. A, a simplistic offensive role that Abaka was in. I think those concepts can carry over perfectly well enough to Ilyasova to to make that transition like relative relatively seamless. Uh, Sabonis, I'm wondering, should Magic fans be upset that after drafting him, they're missing out on him? Um, you know, it it depends where you fall on the Sabonis scale. I was not like a huge Sabonis fan. Um, I, I think he's he's a traditional four in a world where there are no more traditional fours. And so I think he's, he's going to be a quality guy to bring off the bench, perhaps, uh, for, for most of his career. He's got some great offensive skill. Uh, but, you know, he's going to have to learn defense pretty quickly. And, you know, I'm, you know, for, for where the magic were at, I felt they were trading that pick, you know, no matter, almost no matter what from the time the trade deadline happened till beyond because, you know, they're, they're looking to make the playoffs now. And I, I'm not sure Sabonis quite helped them, would help the magic. Uh, in that quest in the same way that bringing in a veteran would. So, you know, I think the Serge Ibaka deal is, is kind of the exact deal I was looking for the Magic to make using the assets that I thought they needed to to look to move, which would be Ilyasova and his expiring contract because he was guaranteed, I think, only uh, two of the $8 million or six of the $8 million, something like that, uh, if he was cut before July 1st. Um, you know, I, so the Magic were cutting him anyway, uh, and I don't think they felt like they wanted to wait on another rookie to, to make an impact. And so, uh, it, it to me, it felt like an asset they were they were going to move anyway, unless there was someone that absolutely blew them away. And, and Sabonis, you know, Sabonis is good. I think he'll be solid. I think he'll he'll play that role well. But he's not someone that I think would move the needle for a Magic team that's that, that's a little bit desperate, to be frank. And so, uh, you know, maybe Magic fans will regret not having Sabonis. I think they do have some front court. Uh, some like tradition, like I feel like they need a traditional power forward a little bit right now. Uh, but you know, they've got Aaron Gordon, who I think is going to play some minutes at the four. Uh, Jeff Green can do that too. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't think the Magic are going to be missing him significantly at this point. I think he's got a nice chance to be the fourth big man this year. Mm-hmm. I think in, in Oklahoma City, I think, I think there's now, now, now the Laverne trade kind of, kind of changes things a little bit. I don't know. If they like Laverne or they like Sabonis more, we'll kind of learn more about that during the preseason when when we see where Billy Donovan has his rotations and we honestly see how both of those guys play and we see how well Sabonis is adapting to the NBA game, the NBA style. But uh, I, I think he's got I think he's got a legitimate chance to be the fourth big and get 15 minutes a night uh, behind behind Canner and behind uh, behind Adams and behind Ilyasova. I think it's a possibility. He's pretty switchy on defense, which is. Which is a nice thing. Like he can he can defend away from the rim a little bit, which is obviously a necessary trait for a four in today's NBA. And uh, yeah, I mean he can't shoot threes, but 
I think one of the hopes with him is that he'll be able to develop a three point shot within the, mm-hmm. within the coming years. Uh, and if that's the case, cause he's, cause he's not about, it's not like he can't shoot mid range shots. And no, he's, he has, he's a great offensive player already. Right. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's got his flaws on offense. Like he's so, he's so much better with his left hand than he is with his right hand, but, but he's got good post moves and he's got great footwork around the basket and, 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 and he's good. He's a good shooter for mid range. And I think the thunder are hoping that in the next few years, you know, I'm not talking this year, I'm not talking next year, but at some point, you know, by the time we're talking, he's only 20, by the time he hits his prime, he's a three-point shooter, and all of a sudden you have a stretch four who can be a little switchy on defense, and and you have you have a really quality third big man. And, uh, you know, if you get that with the 11th pick, uh, and, and then I think you can call that a really, a really solid pick. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's exactly what it is. Like, I, it's not. I'm not saying he's going to have a bad NBA career. He's going to be a bust or anything. I think he will be a very solid NBA player. Be able to give, like you said, some good bench minutes, like 20, 24 minutes per game, probably at his peak. Uh, I, I see him kind of capped off as as a bench guy, maybe a spot starter at the power forward position in his career. Uh, he's he's ready to contribute pretty immediately. I think uh, for the Thunder, I think he probably would have been too for the Magic as well. And so, um, you know, he's he's a good pick. He's a good player. Uh, I, I, I'm not quite sold that he'll be a, a full-time starter in the league, but a, a solid player nonetheless. Um, you know, I think it was tough for the Magic to, to give him up. I think that was a player they were looking at. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the Magic needed to make a splash and, and, and or needed to go out and get a, a really good player and knew they had to give up something to get it. And so I think they were willing to part with with a rookie to, to do that. Uh, before before we finish up, Dave, tell, tell the people about Locked On Magic. Uh, Locked on Magic. Uh, yeah, it's uh, obviously the daily podcast covering the Orlando Magic, uh, talking pretty much anything going on on with the Magic. Obviously, uh, more will be going on very, very soon. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at OmagicDaily. I'm usually uh, pretty responsive uh, to, to any questions. I'll answer a few on the show as well. And uh, we're doing our crossover week as well. We, we had Locked on Heat to talk a little bit about Sunshine State basketball uh, and, of course, uh, have some other good guests planned uh, later on in the week as well. Anything else to plug? Anything at O Magic Daily you want to plug? Uh, you know, I'm doing uh, player prof- uh, player profiles right now. If you're listening to this on the Locked On Magic feed, I'll probably be talking about our next player in our in our player outlook series as as we count down to, to training camp. Uh, I did uh, Aaron Gordon earlier this week as well as Frank Vogel uh, for their outlooks for the upcoming season. As a we're we're just excited to get to get some basketball again. <laughs> yes, we are. And remember, I'm on every weekday now, Monday through Friday. This week, it's all crossover episodes. Think of a crossover episode as just hosting another lockdown host, like I'm doing with Phil right now. Going to be talking. Well, we we just talked Abaka, I should say. And if you're subscribed to the show, you'll be all good on getting those. I got more more in the future for the rest of the week. You can head out to iTunes and, and subscribe there as well. And subscribe to Locked On Magic if you're feeling like it too. If you have any questions or comments, email LockedOnThunder at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Fred Katz, F-R-E-D-K-A-T-Z, and log on to NormanTranscript.com for all your Thunder needs. And check out Thunder Road. That's my blog there under the sports tab on the site to follow team coverage and what's next for the Thunder. My thanks again to Fred uh for, for chatting with me a little bit about Serge Ibaka as well as Victor Oladipo. I know Magic fans are probably still at least a little bit interested to see how Oladipo's career develops. It's going to be fun to watch both the Thunder and the Magic this season very, very clearly. So got a few more things to wrap up here on our show for Locked On Magic, and I want to tell you a little bit more about SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process 
for a long, long time now. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. Like I said, today, well, Tuesday, because I'm recording this on Tuesday, but Tuesday, I realized I'm not going to be able to go to the Orlando City game. Northwestern's playing Duke, and I, I just got to watch that, you know, mostly because I hate life, but, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't ignore the alma mater, and, and you know, Orlando City's Orlando City. They'll, they'll be there. They'll be back again, and so I wanted to share the love. The only place I thought to go sell my tickets was at SeatGeek. I listed my tickets for a price that was a market value, a price that I knew that they'd, they'd sell for, and within minutes, really within minutes when the post, when the post went up, my tickets were sold, and I got my I got a good price. Uh, I'm sure they're, they're going to be very happy going to the game. I'm going to be very happy when I get when I get my money, which will be paid at, which is paid out pretty quickly after the event begins. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets for to a game or concert, as well as to sell any seats that I might have. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and money. Literally, when you go onto the website, you go see where all the seats are, you find a, you find a, a, a ticket that's a good price, and you click on it, and it's right there, and it's very, very easy. Even when you're selling tickets, SeatGeek provi- provides you a market price, a good price for the market, and suggests that to you, and you can go up or down however you, however you want. But they'll do all the work for you, and it's fast and easy and very, very simple. You can get the ticket on your phone pretty quickly if you're buying. If you're selling, you'll get the money in your pocket very, very quickly. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's what you have to do. Download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter the promo code LOMAGIC, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOMAGIC today. To close today's show, we are going to continue our player outlook series. We're doing a a, a player per day heading into training camp, which is less than two weeks away now, as we said at the top of the segment with uh, Fred Katz of Locked on Thunder and the Norman Transcript over in Oklahoma. And today is a pretty big player, I I would say, Alfred Payton. You know, Alfred Payton had a very difficult season last year. There's no getting around it. Uh, His scoring went up. His shooting improved. his His assists and rebounds stayed pretty flat. And so, statistically, it seemed like he had a decent season. I mean, it was hard to find... A whole lot to complain about until you look a little bit deeper. Peyton really struggled, and, and it was seen in the way the Scott Skiles thing went down. Um, it was certainly seen in his defensive numbers. A player that was supposed to be uh, make his money on the defensive end since, since he wasn't making it on, on shooting and offense really struggled defensively. He was, you know, Scott Skiles was a little passive-aggressive throughout the season, but there was certainly some merit to some of the things that he hinted at, that Peyton was really struggling keeping opposing point guards in front of him, and the defense would get blown up before it could even start because he just wasn't defending and getting around screens effectively. 
Those numbers are not going away. But neither should his rookie year numbers, which were actually pretty good on the defensive end. And so, for all the concern about Alfred Payton becoming a better shooter, uh, about Alfred Payton uh, you know, continuing to expand his offensive game, what will really determine whether Alfred Payton makes it in this league or not, whether he makes it as the Magic's starting point guard, is on the defensive end. And again, it feels like a broken record, and, and I'm, I know I said this to, to Fred, and I know I've said this in various uh, outlets and various podcasts that I've done whenever I'm talking about the Magic this season. It is all about defense. And for Alfred Payton, it needs to be all about defense once again for him. That is a skill that he was supposed to bring to the Magic. Clear cut, no worries. His shooting was something he could work on. His offense would continue to evolve. His defense had to be the constant. And last year it wasn't, and that's a big reason why the Magic suffered. Now, Alfred Payton is a very proud player. And he's he doesn't like sitting out games. And it's, you know, you, you suggest that he sit out a few games to rest a, 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 a sprained ankle. He's not the kind of guy that's going to do it. That's just the way he, he's made up, and, and you like that about him. But certainly last year, he was slowed by injury. Um, he had a had an ankle injury, a shin contusion, I think, in December that never really got time to heal because there were so many other injuries on the Magic roster. He had to sit a few games with a sprained ankle in January, uh, and he just never got right as the Magic continued to fall. I will say this about Alfred Payton. There's a lot of people who ask, what do you see in Alfred Payton? And it's hard to really put a finger on it because he doesn't add a lot offensively, at least numbers-wise. And defense, like I said, he really struggled. But when Alfred Payton is playing well, he made the Magic significantly better. The two times when the Magic looked like a playoff team were the beginning of the season and the end of the season. And those were the two points of the year that Alfred Payton was playing his best. Alfred Payton just has a command over an offense. He's able to just, you know, despite not being able to shoot the ball effectively, he's able to get into the paint and draw defenses in, in a way that really no one on the Magic is able to do consistently. And so, Payton has to get back to that. And I don't know exactly the best way to do it. I think Peyton struggled a lot with the motion offense and the motion and passing offense that Scott Skiles ran. Uh, he worked better in the Jacques Vaughn, James Borrego pick-and-roll dominant offense. He had the ball in his hand. He was able to make decisions and was given that trust. And, and yeah, he made mistakes because he's a rookie, but he was given a trust to make decisions on the ball. And when you do that with Alfred Payton, he can be very, very effective. He's got to find a better balance uh, in, in not running teams like that and not running games like that, but certainly he can still do that. He's young. This is his third season, though, and like I said with Aaron Gordon earlier in the week, that third season is where you set your value and set your market for your extension. Like with Aaron Gordon, the Magic need to know what Alfred Payton is, and the question for them, of course, when it comes to Alfred Payton is, are you a starting point guard in the NBA? And that makes this season as big for Alfred Payton as it is for anyone else. He's got to he's got to prove that he can lead a team, that he can lead a team to wins, and that he can be a starting point guard in this league. And whether he does that or not, I don't know. I think his shooting will continue to improve. He he may never be a knockdown shooter like a guy you really rely on, but he needs to be a confident shooter. 
and he needs to at least keep defenses honest. And um, as as I pointed out on OrlandoMagicDaily.com earlier this week or over the weekend, I believe, the Magic were very effective when they got Alfred Payton wide open threes. He was a very good, you know, he's a very good three-point shooter in an empty gym, essentially, when, when defenses aren't around him. And so getting him those shots will be key to, to loosening up a defense and, and giving him opportunities where he can gain confidence. But so too will be putting the ball in his hands and letting him letting him run. He's got to learn how to run an offense and kind of stay within some structure. But Peyton's also pretty effective freelancing and getting into the paint and creating for others. He's not going to create for himself a lot, but he'll create for others a lot. And now with rim protectors behind him and Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biombo, I think his defense will also improve because he can be more aggressive on the perimeter. I, I do think that that's going to unlock a lot of the defensive problems that the Magic had on the perimeter last year. But it's all on Peyton to make those improvements and continue to and continue to show what Rob Hennigan seems to see in him. Because a lot of people aren't sold on Peyton yet, and they they don't have reason to. Because Peyton didn't take a step forward last year; he regressed defensively and kind of stagnated offensively his sophomore year. And so we'll see exactly what Alfred Payton can do this season. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Tomorrow, another great conversation coming as Locked On Locked On uh, Crossover Week continues. Be sure to check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, the NBA the NBA podcasts are kicking up again. Uh, you can always check out Locked On Thunder on Audio Boom, iTunes, and uh, I don't know if they're on Stitcher, but definitely on Audio Boom and iTunes. You can check us out, Locked On Magic, over on Audio Boom, iTunes, and Stitcher as well. If you want to send a comment to the show, feel free to drop us an email at omagicdaily at gmail.com. If you have any questions, magic-related questions, podcast-related questions, anything send you know, that you want answered more immediately, you can either send an email or contact me on Twitter at omagicdaily. I'm always happy to have a magic conversation with you all, you all, and be sure to tell your friends about the podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. Get spread the word out about Locked On Magic uh, as we get closer and closer to the season. This is going to be your number one place for Magic conversations throughout the season. Another good conversation coming up tomorrow as Locked On crossover uh, week continues. I'm not going to tell you who it's with yet because uh, I, 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 I've got something, you know, some, certainly something special in the works as we continue on this week and get closer and closer to the beginning of training camp. That'll do it for me. This has been Philip Rossman-Reich of OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Thank you all for listening to Locked on Magic today. We will see you tomorrow. You're Locked on Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.